For those of you who came here expecting for Pastor Scott, um, I'm sorry to disappoint you. You got me. Um, just in case we need this. Stephen, would you mind helping? Uh, lead, you want me using a different one? Lead's fine. In case we need that. All right. How many know why pastor's not here tonight? How many don't know why pastor's not here tonight? Now, pastor decided that he needed to go exercise himself, and he and Josh went off to uh, climb a mountain on some mountain bikes to prepare for the ride they have coming in about a week and a half. And on the way down... Uh, he was much further ahead of Josh. And Josh came around a corner and found Pastor with his front tire uh, bead popped and air out of it, and Pastor sprawled out on the ground or beginning to roll over uh, from crashing and burning. Uh, so he is at home tonight. I got a call uh, about 19, 7, 7 o'clock last night. Sorry, I have to use military so I can translate. Uh, about 7 o'clock last night, he calls me and says, you're it tomorrow. Um, so he's at home recuperating with a broken clavicle or uh, collarbone and bruises and bangs and everything else. So he can definitely utilize our prayer. Probably more than him is Linda and Emily, who are his caretakers. Um, so keep it in prayer. Uh, as he is recovering from a nasty spill. Uh, I think it's, it's ironic that a year ago, on the 1st of September, I had a motorcycle accident uh, where somebody pulled out in front of me. So a year later, pastors decided that that's a way to get good attention and care. Um, so I was not expecting... To speak, and I will tell you, scripturally, we all should be ready to, to speak at any time. Scripture says we should all be ready, always ready to give an account for why we believe in what we believe. So, next time Pastor has a last minute, I may call on one of you, just so you're prepared. <laughs> um, but no, I wasn't prepared to necessarily speak tonight, and so fortunately. Uh, there's a, there's a story of a minister who was asked to come speak at a church, and uh, he says, well, how much time do I have to speak? And he said, what difference does that make? And he says, well, if, if you expect me to speak for an hour, I'm ready right now. But if it's five to ten minutes, I need a few, little bit of time to prepare for it. Um, so we'll either be five or ten minutes, or we may be an hour tonight. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm sure some won't be unhappy about getting out early. But uh, fortunately, on Tuesday, I have a men's prayer breakfast, uh, a men's Bible study that I serve breakfast. So men, if you have nothing better to do at 6 o'clock in the morning, come up to the church, and we will feed you, and we are studying Genesis right now. And as I was going through Genesis 6 and chapter 6 and 7 this week with 
the, the two gentlemen who joined us, joined me uh, at 6 o'clock on the morning on Tuesday morning, um, reading through there, and for those who aren't tracking, Genesis 6 and 7 is dealing with the uh, flood narrative. And as I looked at that, a thought came to my mind of a song that Casting Crowns recently put out called Crazy People. And I want to take a moment and listen to this song. Uh-oh, we're busted. He's playing someplace. All right, can we start it over? Okay. Sorry, it was a last minute thing. I got last minute, everybody else gets last minute. talk about crazy people, us, really, when we come down to it. When we take in, and we listen to this song, you know, it, it talks about who builds a boat when there's no clouds in sight. I mean, that, when you look at the story of the flood, they had not had rain. They didn't know what rain was. The earth was watered by the dew of the ground. There was not rain. And 
where you're looking at Noah living, I mean, they're not near the ocean. They're not near any kind of large body of water. So for him to build a boat, and we're talking, depending on who, who you're looking at, we're talking could have been anywhere from 50 to 100 years that he took to build this boat. It's huge. And it's just him and then his sons that come alongside him to build this boat that was uh, twice, as, twice as long as a football field. And about 25 yards wide, if not larger. So you look at all of this, and you, who does so things? You consider David, little man, going to start a fight with a giant. You got to ask yourself, who does that? I mean, it's great stories. You you can go through all the heroes of the Bible, and ask yourself, who does those things? And I will tell you that we should be doing a lot of those things. We should be taken and being crazy out there. Not just because of our faith, but the willingness to take and walk after God when he says for us to do things. I mean, Noah could have refused. He would have drowned, but he could have refused because God was ready to wipe out. The things that were done was extraordinary. But for these men and women of the Bible, they didn't expect anything more but to follow what God had asked them to do. I mean, when I think about modern day, I think about Pastor Scott and what craziness he's doing by being in the state legislature. I mean, it's not what he wanted to do. It's, It's nowhere what he wanted to do. He loves being a pastor. He loves being here. The church and to put in six months, about six months up in the state, and sometimes not knowing, am I going to get back? Because Wednesdays are his time to refresh his own spirit. I mean, though he's up here teaching, it refreshes his own spirit on Wednesdays. And Sundays, he just, I mean, he adores being able to speak God's word. And God said, No, I want you to go and do. And that's crazy. It's crazy for him to stand up. But what we often find for ourselves is we want to assimilate. We want to take and come into what the world is because we want to assimilate to them. We don't want to be so stand out and look so crazy. True? Too often, isn't it? I mean, I'm guilty of that at times throughout my life too is that I wanted to, to assimilate because we want to be liked, we want to be accepted. But the problem is, is God called us to be a part, set apart to him. In 1 Peter 2.9, some of the translations with 1 Peter 2.9, and it is talking about us being a royal priesthood, a, holy, a royal nation, but it talks about us being separated to God. And sometimes that... Uh, word that they use within that some translation calls us peculiar special and some people will say yeah you you're special uh, but not in that type of special we are special to God we're pulled aside pulled out and so we should expect to be different we should be looking to be different to not be assimilating to the world and the world to look at us like why What I want to look at tonight in light of all this, 
is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. What we're going to look at is a bit about that craziness that God calls us into when we accept him. What we do should be different than what anybody else does. If we are doing the same thing that the world is doing, then what's the point? To give an illustration to this, I don't have to look very far than my father-in-law. And being he's not alive, he can't come after me for using him as an illustration. <laughs> but my father-in-law was three days old as a Christian going into basic training. And he observed a chaplain doing nothing more than what he did before he was saved. And the question he had to himself at that point is what's the point? If it makes no difference in what I do, why, why should I live a life following after Christ? There should be a difference, a point to taking and accepting in Christ, a point to living differently than what everybody else has, a point of being sometimes ostracized, outcast in our lives. So let's take a look at this. Verse 18, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are, are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligent, intelligence of the intelligent. So right off we know that the scripture is different, that life is different. It says that it, it, is, it is foolish, Right? What makes it foolish compared to what other people are doing? Why is it foolish? It's upside down. It's upside down. It really is. It is, it is backwards of what, because what does the world say? It should be about me, 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 me. And being a Christian is not about you. Right? It makes no sense. See, the difference between Christianity is I, I have studied within being a, an army chaplain, you have to know not so you can, can do, but so you can be able to explain to commanders and others why do they need to do something different than what's out there. Uh, I have to know different faiths simply so I can know whether they're being true in, in their faith. And, and because sometimes their request goes against what needs to be happening for the mission. And one of the things that is greatly different in Christianity is when you look at the other faiths, it really is an inward thing. It is about the person and the person bringing about this, this reality of faith, this whatever it is, where Christianity is not about inward, it's about an outward 
It's Christ coming in so we can touch lives outward. It is about taking the touch in the world. It's not about me, 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 me. So I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. See, everybody wants to, I got to do something to get my faith. To be saved, it's about what I do. There's a lot of people say, but I'm a good person. Doesn't that count for something? Without Christ, it's nothing. So if this is the case, it goes on in verse 20. So where does this leave for the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of the world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. What's some of the illustrations of the, the world's wisdom that is counter to what the church has? Say it again. A thousand genders. You know, because what I feel has to be what I am. The whole psychology thing is uh, self-love, and if you just have a good enough self-esteem, then um, everything will be cool. That's self-love. It is. It is about loving yourself because what feels good, you do it. Say again. Gratify yourself because we only live once. Yeah. You know. YOLO. You only live once, so do it. Mark's got one. Evolution. Evolution. Evolution is the world's, world's wisdom, isn't it? They're trying to make sense. Well, it seems, it, if you don't think about it, it's wisdom. But once you begin to think about it, it's, it's, it's uh, untenable. Very much. Evolution is a, is a huge one out there. It's trying to make sense of, of our world, and yet creation gives more sense to it than that ever will. You know, one of the biggest things that I dealt with within the Army was the humanist. Uh, of their their way of thinking, of the fact that you've never seen God, how how do you know there is God? Well, there's a lot of things I haven't seen, a lot of things they haven't seen, but they still believe in them. Why single out the the one? That foolishness, right? God saw to it that the world would never know him through their own wisdom. So, what's the point of having wisdom then? I mean, 
Scripture talks a lot about having wisdom, doesn't it? So what's the difference? be way off base, but I just really think that God gives us talents and skills and um, that we should utilize those to his glory um, because we're not, we're supposed to use the talents we've been given. It's scripture. I can remember an epiphany I had when I was studying whether or not there was a creator. Forget about religion at this point, whether or not there was a creator. And I had this epiphany. It seems so strange to me now. But it was like, if there is a creator, it doesn't make any difference what I think. <laughs> and, it's, and it really hit. I can remember exactly where I was. It was in a particular moment. And it just hit me. If, if this world was created in a, in a certain way and there's reality about it, because you know, I had a very scientific background, um, then it doesn't make any difference what I think. There's a truth that exists independently of what I think. And that was kind of, it was shocking, but it was also a great relief. I think that's one of the important things is coming to that, that conclusion in some fashion uh, for yourself. It is, it is the transition that a lot of kids have to do in their life. If they're grown in the church and raised up with godly parents, there's a point that they have to take and make that their own, not just going because that's what mom and dad has. I mean, I even had to go through that process myself, is coming to a point that it was, it was my faith, not just my parents who raised me in, in that manner. And at some point, I think we can all come and point to a point like Mark of... Where God revealed himself uniquely to you. And it shattered your own wisdom in that process. Right? Verse 22. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for a sign from heaven. And it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. So some people are offended. Some people say it's nonsense. But it's their own act of trying to push those things away. Think about within your own life, the times that God is intervening into your life and you use logical sense to push it away. Or to say that I'm offended by that because it goes against what I want within my own life. I, I think of, I, I use this illustration very, very often. And only because I think it's an amazing story and it is, it goes in line with this about our own way of thinking. Uh, those who remember Ollie North. Uh, he, he had a commander 
who was a very strong Christian, and he, and he says in his testimony that this commander was known for reading a certain book in his office and was often caught reading, reading the Bible. <coughs> and when, as he's given his testimony, one of, his, one of the things he talks about is there's a time that he was full of himself, and he was the only one. Here he is, an officer in the Marines, and he has people who are trained to do certain things, but he had VIPs there, and they were showing him things, and he said, I'm the only one that can do this one task, uh, which probably was usually assigned to an enlisted person. And so he climbs up this pole and goes to, to establish a signal or whatever it was, and he ends falling. And in the fall... He lost all feeling in his lower part of the body and lost body fluids and whatnot. I mean, it just was a very bad fall. And everybody's around, and they've called the medevac in, and, and they're, they're doing all the logical medical stuff for him. And in comes his commander and says, I'm going to pray for you. And all he says, no, 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 we'll just do it the regular way. Don't pray for me. We'll just do it the regular way. You know, the medevac's coming in. He said, no, I'm going to pray for you. This commander, who in the midst of VIPs, puts his command aside to care for Ollie North. Doing something that would be crazy because it can't do any good. In Ollie's mind, I need medical care. I need to be flown out of here so that they could fix me. The commander's mind is, no, there's only one thing that can fix you. And the commander kneels down and prays for him, and he hears a pop, a snap, and suddenly he has feeling returned to his lower part of his body. Medivac comes and takes him away. At this point, Ollie still has not accepted Christ. Well, we have a crazy act coming. In the midst of a time that medical need is what's needed, God intervenes. Interesting enough, that is not what caused Dolly North to get saved. But logic said medic. Commander says, I don't deal with logic. I deal with a God that heals. The world's wisdom says prayer doesn't work. We need medical intervention at this point. And yet the greatest person who ever created medicine, the, the individual that that gave the wisdom to create medical mindset was God who, could, who knows better how to heal. Again, the world's wisdom, the world's knowledge was nonsense to those around, but was a nonsense to that commander. Just so you know, later on, it, what saved Ollie North, got him to be saved, was his commander smacked him in the chest with a Bible as they were getting ready to deploy, said, you need to read this. He didn't know where to start, wasn't given any direction, so he started in the beginning. And by the time he got to where the, the uh, centurion who had called for Christ to heal his daughter and told Jesus, don't expect you to come. And when Jesus showed up, he says, I didn't expect you because I order people around. I just expected you to give an order. That impacted Ollie North's life. And it intersected his wisdom with understanding of leadership. 
It's what he needed. And there's people out there that need what you have. They're trying to get it from the wisdom of the world. And understand when you're talking with people and sharing the gospel with them, it's not necessarily going to be through the the wisdom of the world. You're not necessarily going to get them to understand logically. It's going to be through the power of the Holy Spirit that gets it. It's going to be something off the wall and crazy. I think of uh, the gentleman who wrote A Case for Christ. He was out to prove Christ wrong, that he doesn't exist, that it, isn't a, it is not real. And the more he, he took to try to prove this, the more it proved to him who Christ was. He was going from a logical standpoint and got intersected in that time frame. Verse 24, but to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Building a boat in the middle of nowhere when there, nobody ever heard of rain is God's nonsense to save people. David taking and picking a fight with Goliath is God's nonsense because it should not have been a fight that David won. Walking in a den of lions is not logical. It's the power of God. Going in a fire furnace and having a, a fellowship with Christ in the midst of an extremely heat so hot that it killed those putting the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into it. God's going to reach people with you and it's going to seem nonsensical. It's not going to make sense. Why? God's going to ask you to do things that don't make sense. God asked me to be an army chaplain. Then he sent me to combat and asked me to go into combat without a weapon while bullets are flying around me. Bombs exploding around me. But you know what has taken place because of that? Some things immediately while there, people were saved. But I have seen some of those soldiers over the last 20 plus years who are now pastors. Some are missionaries. Some are just living a life for Christ. And I'm not saying I was a cause of that, but Christ working through me by me showing them an example that I can be in the midst of a combat zone without a weapon and not be afraid. It is God calling a missionary out to go take and minister to a group of people who a year later had just killed the husband. And seeing these, these 
this group of people who were uh, cannibalists come to be saved. That's crazy because that individual should be angry, should be hurt, should be vengeful to this tribe, and instead they showed love, care, and concern. It is the craziness of a man named Enoch who walked with God and then wasn't. I was thinking about that particularness of the craziness of what it means to walk with somebody. And it brought me to a point of in the military, and I, I will say that I have not taken the time to observe this on the civilian side, but in the military, you get two people walking together. Eventually, they are walking stride by stride, in step with each other, left foot, each of their left foot hitting the same time, as, and each of their right foot hitting the same time. When you walk with somebody so close, you're going to be in step with them. And it should be craziness to be walking so close to God that you're in step. It's craziness that some of you could take and even at an old age be called in the mission field. At an old age, it was craziness that an old age God took and gave Sarah a child to create a nation. I posted something on Facebook not too long ago, the craziness of somebody who was a prostitute when the spies went into the Canaan became the great, great, great grandmother of Jesus. That's not logical. How can the Savior of the world come from a lineage that has that in it? Because God takes what is broken and makes it something new. The foolish plan of God is wiser than wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. When we, are put, we put ourselves with Christ and allow ourselves to become that crazy person, and not in the world's craziness, okay? Within God's craziness, what is our weaknesses become strength because God uses it for what he wants And it becomes powerful. When we put ourselves under, with God and really put ourselves in that place strongly in such a way that we're just in step with him, God can do anything through us. Verse 26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. 
God chose those things despised by the world, things counted in nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Think about where you, where you could be or where you were possibly. Let's take and consider Paul. What do we know about Paul when he was Saul? He was a Pharisee. What does that mean? Strongly involved with the law, powerful within the, the Jewish synagogue. We also know that he was fairly wealthy. We can look into that and we can study when we look at Saul, he was a wealthy man. He was able to travel. He was being paid to go kill Christians. He was being rewarded for those things. What happened to Saul before he became Paul? Say again. He was blinded. He had an encounter with God, with Jesus himself on his way. Yes. What we know about Paul is he studied under Gamaliel, and he probably knew the Old Testament better than anyone in the world. Yet he didn't know Jesus Christ was a Savior, mm -hmm. was a Messiah. I think there's a lot to be said there about how God reveals himself to everyone. If you go to Psalm 19, C.S. Lewis says that's the greatest poem in the Bible. And it, it uh, basically says that God reveals himself to everyone. And I think that's why it's foolishness mm -hmm. to the rest of the world because I think, I know in my life, God presented himself to me when I was a sinner. And a decision was handed to me, I feel like, to accept it or not accept it. And I accepted it, and it didn't make sense to a lot of the people that knew me before. A lot of them attacked me for my change in belief, but it didn't matter to me. And I think that's what happened to Paul. I think, or Saul, I should say. Yeah. Saul knew all the scriptures, just like we know all the scriptures of Revelation. We study them to death. Uh, and if we think we know when Christ is coming back, uh, we need to get a clue. We don't have any idea. And it's, uh, it's cryptic, and I'm sure it was cryptic in the Old Testament to the apostle Paul, or to Saul, before he became the Apostle Paul. And uh, what changed his life was an experience of Jesus Christ. Exactly. Saul, I would, would call, uh, he had the academic knowledge. And I've seen this happen to people that I went to school with in Bible college and seminary. It became so academic that that's all they had. And they, with that it caused them to walk away because all they had was the academic. It was not personal. Saul had the academic. I, I think that the reason we have such strong New Testament scriptures is because Paul knew the Old Testament well enough to bring it to life for the New Testament church and give us something that was very substantial for us to take and be able to go forward. 
because you just look through that and you see all the ties that he has in the Old Testament. But he had to have a powerful impact with Jesus Christ personally that blinded him. But in that blinding of his physical eyes that he was living by, his spiritual eyes were able to be open and he was able to be taught. But he lost a lot in doing it, which makes no sense. Why do you want to give that stuff up? But it's important. Peter was a very successful fisherman, and he gave up that to follow after Christ. You know, there's things that to follow after Christ, we give up. There's things that we need to give up in our life. And sometimes we're scared to, and it's crazy that we give that up. And why would we give that up? Uh, It doesn't make sense. Because God knows what's best for us to bring us closer to him. And our unwillingness to give up will either separate us from God or or he will take and remove it from our lives forcibly. Because he wants us to be so much Engage with him. You know, in giving up, we get so much more. And in a physical way, I can, this is an illustration I like to use, especially with businessmen. And it applies to our own lives, even if we're not business individuals. There's a man that, that uh, his name was R.G. Letourneau. And this is a man that he is well known. Anybody does construction, especially heavy equipment construction, he's probably well known within that world. Uh, He passed away in the 60s. But he's the one that came up with these huge uh, road graders. And he had these huge tree crushers they used in Vietnam. In fact, he, he was... It was over 50% of the big, large equipment that was used by the military in World War II. He started his business during the Depression. And he, he was a godly man that said, God, you got, we're partners here. And he started off giving God only 10%, and he was keeping 90. And the story goes that one day, God said, hey, I thought we were partners. He's like, we are. He said, why am I only getting 10%? So we upped it to 50%. And through his wife, a little while later, through his wife, God used his wife to, con- to take and convince him to only keep 10% and give 90% of his profits away. And when he died... He died giving God 90% to him, keeping 10%. And this is 1960s. Uh, he died with equivalent of like $30, $40 million, I think it was, if I remember correctly, in our, our dollars now. And he had given away, I think, billions of dollars to the ministry. Nonsense. You're not, that's, that's not a business model, is it? Business model doesn't say you give away 90% of your money. How do you grow? How do you 
maintain. And yet he was not only able to grow and maintain his business, but he was able to, to live comfortably within his, his own self. He could not outgive God. It's nonsense. But God has used that story in that time to touch men's life who were in business and see them come to salvation. It's about the nothingness. It's craziness. Abraham was told, move out, go. Where? No, just go. Have you ever been willing to just move out and go? When God told you to go? Have you ever been in that mindset of listening? Or maybe God, when you wanted to go, God said, stay. And it made no sense. And so you did, and you see God's blessings be poured out, and lives changed and touched because of it. Why does God use the what seems foolish? Verse 29 is our answer on that. Verse 29 is, says, as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. If you find yourself saying, look at what I've done. I've saved this many people. I've done this. I've done that. Dangerous place to be. Because it's not by our power, nor by our might, but by the Holy Spirit that anything takes place. We often see the scripture come, truth of pride comes before a fall. How many people have you known to be powerful and then become prideful and they crash and burn? There's a, there's a minister out there. He was a great man of God. He was well-liked, well-followed. But he started saying, look what I've done. And begin to see a crumbling there's a couple of them. Some of you know who they are. One man was named Jim Baker. He had the PTL club years ago, and he had this big thing that was being built, and he started saying, look what I've done. Now, he put it in spiritual, look what God's done through me. He's prideful, boastful, crashed and burned, ended up in prison. Interesting enough, God reached down and grabbed him while he was in prison, humbled him, and he had a change. The other one I talk about is Jimmy Swagger. He developed a huge following. For those who don't know, side note, Jimmy Swagger, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Elvis Presley were all cousins. So they, just a side note. 
you watch their piano styles, they, they had very similar piano styles. So here you have Jimmy Swaggart, who was leading well, doing great things. Obviously not going in the path that his two cousins went. But he started getting prideful. It crashed. And at first he came under the, the uh, leadership of the Simmons God and followed that and then he says, I don't need to do this and pulled himself out of it. And he's, he has, his ministry never fully recovered from that. When we find ourselves boasting, look what I've done. Be cautious. Because a fall's coming. Verse 30, God had, has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. And he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scripture says, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. We should be some crazy people. We should look at the heroes of the Bible and go, wow, that's craziness. But I want to be part of that craziness more than I am now. If you find yourself getting comfortable with some of the things in the world, Oh, God, I need to change. I want to be that person that is special, set aside. Junior high, I was special, but not in the right way. I was very much a geek. Um, and it's surprising that I got one of the popular girls. I was a mess but I was me. In high school, I made the choice. I didn't care who liked me. It didn't matter to me if they liked me or not. I was who I was. I was a Christian, and I was going to live my life for Christ, and people didn't have to like me. In football, when we're going on away games and when you're growing up in the rural areas of northern Nevada, the closest game you might be Go play is maybe an hour away. Most of, the, most of the time it was three, four hours or more. I think one game was as much as seven or eight hours away for us to go play. I had my boom box. I had my headset. I tossed in Petra or whatever uh, Christian music tape I had, and I listened, and people, some of the guys would ask, what'd you listen to? Christian rock or Christian contemporary, whatever I said to them, let them listen to them listen. They didn't harass me. They didn't give me a hard time because they knew I was who I was and it wasn't going to change me. They couldn't change me. I was odd. I was peculiar to the kids in school. Do you people find you peculiar, odd, different because you don't go along with the things around you? I think of my dad, who was bivocational, and in Nevada, the, some of the, your choices to work were either casinos or mines, and so he went to work a mine. He was different to them because he loved them for where they were at, 
but he didn't participate in what they did. One day somebody offered him a cigarette, he took and crushed it. They were quite upset that he would waste it that way. He felt it was a waste no matter what anyway. But they respected him that he didn't compromise in his life. I encourage you to look inside yourself and say, is there places I'm compromising? Men, as heads of your household, I really encourage you to look within your house and say, have I allowed things to be compromised in my house? Am I allowing things to come in that don't line up with Scripture? I want to step on something that is sacred to some people, and I really don't care, but I think of things like Harry Potter. Oh, but that's just a good story. Really? Does it belong in your house? Does it line up with Scripture? There's plenty of Christian fantasy books out there that line up with Scripture that are great novels that are better for you. There's a gentleman, his name is huh? Davy. Davy Lou? Davy Lou. He was an artist from a young age with Disney. His credits include Lion King and uh, Mulan and a number of others. Ran into Davy at the Assembly uh, of God General Council. Uh, that we went to a few weeks ago as a staff. And he has some books out there, amazing books, um, that are just tremendous. Uh, talk to Didi. I, I haven't read them. I've seen them. Didi's read them. Um, but he, he is combating against Disney. And the movies should be coming out. Uh, he's planning a movie about every year or so coming out. Um, that uh, are being filmed by Christian individuals who left Disney because Disney was going in the wrong path. And they, Disney says, our goal is to take and uh, impact kids by a certain age, by 10. Disney's got some, some decent stuff out there, but there's stuff that is just going down the wrong path and the wrong direction and there's things that can combat that. Like Davy Lou and his things. We bought a set of his books so we could have books for our grandkids when they come. So they can be impacted by something that's scripturally based. But he's got a movie coming out being produced and directed by some Christians who worked for Disney who did some of these great Disney movies out there. Are there things within your life that you are finding that you're compromising on? Small things. But something I learned within the Army that we do land nav and you have to use what's a compass and you don't know what a compass is. First, it gives you the degrees of 360 degrees and gives you direction, north, south, east, west. 
and you do land navigation, you're given a point to follow. And if you are a half a degree off when you're setting out, you can be miles away from your point on the end. There are many, many people who started out well in their Christian walk and they went half a degree off and they are now so far off. Doesn't seem like half a degree is much, but you walk, walk that far off of where you need to be going, you will be off your point quite a bit, big distance. What's the craziness God's asking of you? Maybe you've been, God's been asking you to do something crazy and you've ignored it. Maybe it involves telling family members what the truth is. Because time's too short to be compromising. Sometimes we don't want to offend. Sometimes we don't want to, them to shove away and push away. And yet we need to be speaking truth with love into life. Because we really don't want to be end up in heaven without them. Are you willing to be the craziness of Noah and build an ark when there's no need for an ark? Go fight a Goliath like David. To take and be willing to be boiled in oil like John twice. It's craziness. I watched a little video of, of, some, of a, a humanistic view of Christianity and, and how they project that it is a plot and that these 12 disciples to save face stole Jesus' body and perpetuated this lie of Christianity. I have yet to find somebody who's so willing to take and go to their death for a lie. Hung upside down. Stoned. Beaten boiled in oil, and the list goes on. It's crazy. And yet, here we sit today, together. What's God pricking at your heart? That's out of the ordinary. You're going, that's a little crazy. That's out there, God. And yet, if you allow yourself to be as crazy as Noah, Somebody gets saved. Look at the heroes of the Bible. And if they're truly your heroes, start looking and looking at your own life and saying, God, I want to be crazy for you. I want to see this world turned upside down. I want to see things taking place. Because when you're crazy for God and you're walking after him, his power flows out. Peter walked by and his shadow healed people because he was so in tune with God. God's crazy people. Have you become too comfortable in your salvation that you're not as crazy as you once were? 
Have you been too concerned about what the world thinks? Too willing, too unwilling to lose status? Because when you lose status with the world, you gain status with God. But if you lose, if you keep your status with the world, you lose status with God. I think we should be a little crazy. Don't you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to be crazy. Not in an insane sense of out of my mind, but crazy to do what you've asked us to do. To step out. To walk after you. To be willing to hear you say, build a boat when there isn't a need for one at the time. And it may take hundreds of years to build, but to know that I'm obedient to you. Let us be crazy for you. Let us be unique. And let the world see you in that uniqueness, in that special that you are. That this, this city and this state will be turned upside down for you. I praise you for an example from our, our pastor who was in the midst of a time that he would rather not. He said, it's crazy, but I'll go do it. It won't be much winning legislatively, but I'll go do it because it will be winning souls and hearts for you. Let us be a little crazy, Heavenly Father, and follow after you and be in in step with you. And when you move right, we move right with you because we know Guide us, direct us. Let us not be afraid of what others may think, but be more afraid of what you might think. Let us not be dismissive. Let us not be disobedient. We're willing to step in for you. Go with each, each tonight, Heavenly Father. May your blessing be upon them as they go. We do lift up pastor to you, Heavenly Father, tonight. Lord, we know that you can heal, miraculously touch, remove pain, remove swelling, and mend the bones together tonight. It doesn't have to take six weeks with medical science. It can be you tonight raising him up, Heavenly Father. And we ask that you would raise him up. That you give him the strength to return back. We give you glory and we give you praise in all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You all having a great night and a great rest of the week. Enjoy a little bit of break this weekend for those who get it with it being Labor Day. But don't take a break from church. We'll see you Sunday. God bless you.